0: Where is your Rome? It's on the other side of the storm. Good, huh? <laughs> Where is your Rome? It may be on the other side of the storm. And we're going to have storms in life. That's the way it works. And uh, the Bible tells us that man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. It's not all trouble. There are glorious times. I know we've all had glorious victories, but I want to preach today about a situation that occurred, and it really focuses more on where is your Rome than it does the storm. But somehow the storm, imposing though it be, seems to be an issue at times, and we have to go through that and after i preached this morning i had a couple of people come up and tell me what it's like to be in the navy on a ship in the middle of a storm and that would be a hurricane Uh, i know a hurricane is like a several tornadoes on steroids and i remember a number of years ago well in 1967 i went to a convention and new orleans louisiana and i came back through gulfport mississippi and and uh i saw big tugboats up on the shore and houses demolished and uh, the highway was like this and we had to drive on that we and we couldn't go fast and there was clothing and debris up in the trees that is what trees were left and one thing that caught my eye was these huge mansions that were setting off up pretty good ways from the shore The top was intact, but the bottom was just wall studs where the water had come through there. And uh, that is such devastation. And I had a a friend who was a, a minister there in that town. He said it sounded like a locomotive when it came through. And so that's what this storm that we're going to talk about today was about. But I want us to look in the 27th chapter of uh, the book of Acts and uh, maybe if I put my glasses on I can preach better. I mean, that might help me and then again it might not, okay? (laughs) So, uh, So anyway, in the 27th chapter of the book of Acts we are talking about the Apostle Paul who is about to embark on a, a voyage to the, the city of Rome. Rome being the capital of probably the greatest empire, I guess, in the known world at the time, the Roman Empire, which when I read about it, it was, pardon me for saying this, in many ways, it was a magnificent empire. But then it was also a very cruel and brutal empire. They had a way of, of dealing with things. And uh, one of the ways they enforced discipline in their empire was they just killed you if you broke the law. I mean, they just kill you uh, if it was a bad enough offense. But yet, as, as depraved and as cruel as they were, they... Honored certain laws like the rights of a citizen. And the Apostle Paul, in many occasions in the book of Acts, found himself in a situation where he had been abused, and yet he was a citizen of Rome, and he told them about that. He brought that to their attention. And that happened more than once. But we began reading here, well, let me say something else here. The situations that arose in his life at this time, we find that uh, he is about to uh, get on board this ship. But the thing that, that brought him to this place, the thing that happened that caused him to come to this place was that he decided that he would no longer stand at the local level of government in their courts and he decided that he would appeal to Caesar. Now, these people did not have a case against him. I know about things like that. You either have a case or you don't. And what happened was... We can see some examples in the book of Acts. You don't have to turn here. Just listen to me. In the 21st chapter, Paul arrives at Jerusalem. He's received warmly. He goes to the temple to take care of a purification thing, and, and he is seen by some Jews who happen to be there. Well, they didn't like that and they assumed that there was this other associate of his who was not a Jew that he would brought into the temple, which he had not, and they began to make false accusations against him, and before you knew it, they had started a complete riot. They tried to kill him. I find it interesting when I read this because It says, while they were trying to kill him, the authorities showed up. Good thing, isn't it? You know, the cops are never where they're supposed to be, but in this case, it seemed like they were right where they're supposed to be. You know, they showed up. Imagine that. And uh, they were, you know, they weren't at the donut shop. They were right where they needed to be. So anyway, they tried to kill him. So what does the local authorities do? They come down and they arrest him. I guess you know I worked with a guy from India or he I'm sorry I didn't work with him he was he was robbed and I was talking to him and I liked him he's, a, he's kind of a nice guy I said so in your country when you call the police what 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 do they do when they get there he, he, I think he misunderstood me he said the first thing they do is they beat you <laughs> <laughs> I'm not calling the cops in India okay I'll just suffer. I'll take the loss. (laughs) But anyway, so he's arrested. And then the mob became more violent. Then he's taken to the Sanhedrin to give his testimony. Uh, Then the Jews conspire and plot to kill him and to ambush him. They even made an oath. They weren't going to eat anything until he was killed. Well, he wasn't killed. I wonder how that went, you know. Watch out what you give an oath about. Then they brought him before the local courts, Felix and Festus and eventually to King Agrippa. And I'm telling you, the, the thing about Paul, when he first got into this situation, by just he went to church. That's all he did. When he went to church that day, he was what we call in the law enforcement business, he was off paper. I'm not going to ask anybody in here if you know what that means, but he's off paper. In other words, he wasn't on probation. He wasn't on pro- parole. He was free to come and go as he pleased. He is off paper. Well, now he's not. And so the authorities wanted to him to stand trial in their court. And that's when he said, nope. I want to appeal as a citizen. I want to exercise my right, and I appeal to Caesar. By the way, do you know who Caesar was at that time? Uh, Nero. Does anybody remember that name? The guy that killed his mother. The the he was a sadistic ruler. He was uh, psychotic. He was he played a he played a stringed instrument as Rome was burning. He executed people routinely. He was, a, an ex, he was mentally ill. He wasn't going to get any justice from Nero, but he appealed to Caesar's court. And the reason he appealed to Caesar's court is because he wanted to go there and share the gospel. Amen? Amen? Well... According to the Word of God and my notes, all he had to do was just keep his mouth shut. That would have just solved everything, wouldn't it? Just keep quiet. Go on, play the game, dude. You know, don't stir things up. And and he would go right in the big middle of, of... the, the people in the, of the, the Jewish people, but yet some people would listen and some people would respond and receive and others would not receive and would become actually violent. And so, when he determined to go to Caesar's court, that's in Rome. He made a commitment to do that. So we go to the first verse of the 27th chapter, we'll find that here's the beginning of this sailing ship ordeal. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. Now, I want to tell you that this centurion was one of an elite group of people who were selected to this rank. A centurion was over a 100 men. One centurion told Jesus one time, I tell men to come here and do this, and they come here and they do this, and to do that, and they do what I say. And Jesus marveled, and he came to Jesus for help. But this centurion was the cream of the crop. They were commanders. They were leaders. They were able to resolve situations. That's one thing about law enforcement. You're supposed to resolve problems. You you solve problems all day long for people. And in my own experience, my chief expected me to resolve things, and if it was not resolved, his comment was it wasn't handled right. He wanted things resolved, whatever that takes, and I would often find myself telling people, look, I can't make y'all get along. I I can't do that. You're going to have to grow up and be an adult and get along with one another. Does that make sense to appeal to someone like that? So anyway, this centurion was a member of the imperial regiment, which, is, which was even better, even greater. And he would guard prisoners such as Paul. I don't know about these other prisoners, what they were guilty of. I, I suspect it was not some lowly misdemeanor, but that they possibly were political prisoners such as Paul was and that they had appealed the same way, I suppose. But I want to ask you a question. This is something that when I read this, when it was decided that we should sail for Italy. You see, I'm always, when I read the word, I'm always looking for the truth. Uh, You remember when several months ago when Alan uh, encouraged us to read the Bible all the way through in a year? Remember that? I, to this day, I want to say on the record, I, I believe that was one of the greatest pastoral messages I think I've ever heard. And he encouraged us to read the Word and, and, and to do that systematically through the Bible in a year. And I, I didn't want to do it, for one thing. Because it seemed not spiritual. You see, I like excitement and adventure. And I like movies where they blow up stuff. I mean, I I like, I don't, (laughs) let me get that out of the way. But I don't want to do anything that's boring. And I don't like to read the fine print. I like the exciting, fun stuff. Are, Are we singing or? Okay, I, I get the message. <laughs> Man, what a church this is. <laughs> but he said something. I mean, I never thought it was something I'd want to do. But then he said something that caught my attention. He said, "People, some people say, well, I don't have time to do that. I wasn't saying that out loud. I mean... In my heart, I was, I started to say probably saying it. In my heart, I was saying it. I don't have time. I got a lot of important stuff going. But I also heard myself say, maybe you'll have to make time. And that's what caught me right there. Maybe you need to make time. So I made time and I got my little, I got my little sheet of paper that I can check off stuff. And But I determined in my heart, that I didn't want to just check off stuff day after day, but I wanted to read and see Jesus in the Word. And so I started reading in January, the start of the year, all the way through to now, and I, I want to tell you something, friends. I found things that I had long since forgotten years ago. And not only that, but I found new things that I didn't know were in the Bible that I read. And when I would read something like that, instead of just reading the prescribed amount for that day, I would find myself getting off into a Word and then starting to run references and, wow, and making notes and underlining stuff, and and then I was out of time. I had to change my schedule so I'd have more time in the morning. Because, as I said this morning, I crossed four railroad tracks to get to work and I could easily be late. Greg, he used to work for a railroad. Yeah. Union Pacific, anybody ever heard of that one? Yeah. If they don't get you on one track, they'll get you on the other one. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a patrol officer, I hated writing tickets, but the one ticket I didn't mind writing was when they go around those those arms, because I know what happens when they don't and they get hit by a train. And the other morning, I got hit by. I didn't get hit. The other morning, I. Sorry. See? My, I have amnesia. The other morning, I I came up on a train a few blocks from my house already, and. I didn't see a train. The arms were down. I looked around, and I thought, hmm. <laughs> Luckily, the arms went up, and I didn't break the law. But anyway, um, what were we talking about? <laughs> I love to read the Word and not be late for work. But let's look at the Word, and I saw something here when I said, when it was decided that we should sail for Italy. Who made this decision? Well, we know that the locals did, the local authorities. They set this up, and they made the arrangements, and they, they had a manifest, and they had all of this stuff. But I want to look beyond that. I want to look to where this really began in the heart of this apostle. And not only this apostle, but you and me. Where is your Rome? Well, let's look at, or I'll just read this to you. You don't have to go. He said, I'm standing in Caesar's court. In Acts 23, 11, when Jesus Jesus said to Paul, take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify in Rome. Now, that's what Jesus told Paul. Now, I know we got this storm thing coming, but I'm just saying that's what he told him. That's what the Lord told Paul. Well, if that isn't enough, what if we go to Acts 19, 21? Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Archaea. After I've been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. That's what Paul said. How about when Paul was on the road to Damascus, and Jesus met him. And Paul was, saw this brilliant light brighter than the sun, and it blinded him. And here's this powerful man with this powerful personality who was highly educated, was a man of means, and a man of authority, and now he finds himself face down on the ground, groping around. He can't see, saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? They took him into town. In that condition. Meanwhile, God spoke to a man by the name of what was his name? Ananias. He spoke to Ananias and told him to go pray for Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias said, Well, Lord, I've heard a lot about this guy. I don't know if that's a really good idea. And you know what the Lord told him? He told him in Acts 9:15, G-O, exclamation. Go. Not go. Go forth, my son. Oh no, it wasn't like that. It was go. Here have God tell you that. I can only think of one thing to do when God says that. Go. Right? That's what that word means in the original. This he said. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing with me, I assume. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> he said, he told him to go, he said, because this is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings. Well, their king was in Rome. Where is your Rome? Acts 1 and 8. How about the words of Jesus? I usually don't read the word backwards, but I'm going to go backwards and research this and show you a progression of what's happening. And it says in one... Uh, Acts 1 and 8. And these are the words of Jesus. But you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, which Paul did, and to the ends of the earth, which is Rome. So why? Who, Who decided that we should sail for Italy? How about the Spirit of the Lord? This didn't just wasn't just a sudden afterthought. And this is what God does for you and me. He has a plan for our lives. He wants us to follow the leading of his spirit. Where's your room? Your room may be next door. How many know Blake, Blake McLean, my grandson? How many in here? Go ahead. You can lift your hands. This is a good thing. This is, a good, this is not a trick question, okay? <laughs> anyway, Blake knows how to pray telling you he can pray he can pray a prayer of faith so Blake had a friend here recently and and he was in a Jeep and he was driving too fast the Jeep didn't have doors luckily he had a seat belt on and and the the Jeep flipped I think five or six times rolled over and his friend his tall nice-looking young man Very industrious. He's got his own construction business going. And it just broke him up in pieces. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised he's even alive. So what did Blake do? He told me about it. And he said, I'm going to go visit him. And I said, well, what are you going to say to him? I said, he doesn't need somebody to go over there and say, you know, there's a silver lining behind, behind every cloud. The Lord helps those that help themselves. Uh, well, Anyway. Uh, no, Blake said, well, I'm going to pray for him. Isn't that what we need? We don't need platitudes. Surely we're past that. It's too late in our our society for platitudes. We need the delivering power of God. That's what we need. We need the healing power of God to flow in our lives. So Blake and his wife, they go up there. He prays for the guy. And the guy accepted his prayer. His mother and sister were there. and His His mother, according to Blake, she was touched by the Lord and wept. And was glad that he had a friend that would come and pray for him. But while he was there, he prayed for somebody else who had cancer. I'm surprised he didn't empty the hospital out. Wouldn't you like to see that? (laughs) Never pay another premium. Just let the Spirit of the Lord work in your life. Why not? I'm not trying to be radical. Well, kind of in a way, but why not let God, the Spirit of God, move in the power of healing and understanding and saneness? Find somebody to love. Find somebody. There's plenty of hatred to go around. Find someone that you can help, and it will change your whole perspective. Well, where is your Rome? The centurion, the other prisoners, boarded the ship to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia. And we put out to sea. And there was a man there by the name of Aristarnica, who was an associate of Paul. Paul refers to him in other places as a fellow servant. So this wasn't his first rodeo, he's there as a helper. He's there to lend a hand. He's there to pray a prayer of unity and faith. Isn't it good to have somebody that will stand with you? I don't know how long he stayed on the voyage. Maybe he changed the next ship, but at the moment he embarked on this, he was with him as an associate These men that were on the ship, the centurion and the pilot, who's the captain and the owner, these were the best in the business. Those guys were great seamen. They could sail. They knew how to sail the oceans. And we see here that they landed or they continued to sail, They landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so that they might provide for his needs. From there, we put out to sea and again pressed to the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. Now, the kindness that the centurion showed him is an example of your journey to Rome in your life, God will put people in your path who will help you and show you kindness. I've learned something in life. When I have, since I deal with the public a lot, and I may have nine people that tell me I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I'm this and that and words I can't even repeat, tell me they're going to kill me, and then there's that one person who's grateful that I helped them. That's the one that makes it worth it, isn't it? That's the one I was looking for. I'm not going to worry about those others. That's the one I'm looking for, the person that needed my help. Well, the, the winds were against us. That, my friends, is the first red flag that we see. When we sailed across the open sea off the coast of, of Sitica, Silica and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra and Lysa. And there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off of Sindus when the winds did not allow us to hold our course. That is another red flag. We sailed to the Lee of Crete opposite Siloam. We moved along the coast with difficulty. That would be another red flag. We came to a place called Fair Havens. You got to watch those Fair Haven names. They're not always what they appear to be, are they? Near the town of Lycia, much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because now it was after the fast. What's that about? Well, let me just read you a note. The Jewish Day of Atonement fell on the latter part of September or in October. The usual sailing season by Jewish calculation lasted from Pentecost, May to June, to Tabernacles, which was five days after the fast. The Romans considered sailing after September the 15th doubtful and after November the 11th suicidal. They were already past the time, and they are beginning to see the signs of the change in the weather patterns on a sailing ship, a wooden sailing ship. So, Paul heard from the Lord. Paul warned them. Now, apparently he's got enough a powerful personality that he can emerge from the people who are there, the prisoners, the soldiers, the crew, the captain, the owner, the centurion. And he tells them where they could hear. He says, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and to our lives also. So he tells them this, this is the word of the Lord. Some people won't listen to the word of the Lord. It don't matter. And, and this centurion I don't think he was he was purposely trying to do something outlandish, but he he was making the best decision, I guess, that he thought under these circumstances. And after all, he got where he got by being a decision maker and maybe even stepping out and kind of pushing it a little bit. Well, let's see what happened. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot of the owner, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that it w- that we would sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete face- facing both west and s- southeast southwest and south- northwest. Uh, so much for the majority rules. I think a lot of the problems we have in our country, are because that the majority have made a really bad decision. And it seems like the, the people in power, and, and, and I'm not saying just during this administration or the last one or the one before, but all along has been a progressive move to eradicate the name of God from our society. And you know what, friends, that's not going to work. Who's the creator anyway? God is the creator. And that's what this man Paul's all about. He's going around telling people that who God is and that he's the Savior and he's the Lord and he's the God of glory. The centurion, as fine a gentleman, I think, as he was, was an idol worshiper. All of Rome had a myriad of idols. That's why he's going to Rome to preach the gospel. So, anyway, the warning was declined. So the result is they're he- heading into a disaster. It says when the, a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. In other words, the centurion thought, yes, got it made now. I'm going to be on time, maybe ahead of time. I'm going to accomplish my mission. But before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster, basically a, a, uh, not a tornado but a hurricane, swept down the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so they gave way to it, and listen to this. This is important. And were driven along. Now, I don't know how many of y'all in here were maybe in the Navy, but that's not good. When you're in a ship that is being driven along, and you are not in control, It's being That's not something that the captain and the crew especially want to hear. That's a recipe for disaster. So it says, so we gave way to it and were driven along. And we passed the lee of the small island called Caudia. We were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted, it aboard. They passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together, fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sartus. They lowered the ship anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging many days, raging, and we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Well, I want to give you a description here of the scene. This is a description of the scene. If you were to Look at it from an overall perspective. You would see confusion, and God is not the author of confusion. That's in First Corinthians 14. You would see chaos, and chaos is defined as anything or condition of which the elements or parts are in utter confusion and disorder you would see a complete loss of control. They had been caught by the storm. They were driven along. They took such a violent battering. And I can tell you that I have met people in my life that seem to fall into this category. Their lives are chaotic and they're just being driven along and they seem to have no power to change it or do anything until somebody who's on the way to their Rome finds that person and shares the word of life to them and they are brought out of this chaos into God's order. Loss of inventory. They lost inventory. They're throwing their, they're trying to lighten the ship. Loss of all hope. I want to tell you something. Nobody wants to lose. Can you say amen to that? I don't want to lose. You don't want to lose. That's not the way we're made. We don't want to lose. Remember when. When David and his men were off fighting the Lord's battles and they came back to their home to Ziklag and their places had been burned up and their herds and their property had been confiscated and their children and their wives had been taken captive and there was nothing left but destruction. Loss. They didn't want to lose any more than you and I want to lose. And the Lord and David did something. He did something. This is a really great concept. He inquired of the Lord. What a concept. He inquired of the Lord. And God showed him what to do. And he went and fought the Amalekites. And I'm going to tell you something, God didn't like the Amalekites, okay? I'm going to tell you that right now. He did not like the Amalekites. Amalekites. And they went and fought them and defeated them, and he recovered everything, and he had no loss or damage. Amen? Aren't you glad for the, the mercy of God and the victory of God? Well, here's the deal. The captain didn't want to lose the ship and hence his position. The owner didn't want to lose his ship or the inventory. The centurion didn't want to lose his command and fail in his mission. The soldiers didn't want to lose the prisoners because then they would be executed. And the prisoners, well, they didn't want to lose their lives and the crew. (laughs) These are just hired hands. They didn't really have a dog in this fight. They just didn't want to lose their life, okay? They just wanted to get to the shore. Nobody wants to lose. But if somebody had remembered what God said, they wouldn't fear loss. Paul wasn't worried about losing anything. He had some inside intel. He had some information. Do you remember the account of the storm on the Sea of Galilee in Matthew 8, Mark 4, and Luke Luke 9, where the disciples got into the boat, a small boat, certainly not designed for a tornado or a squall or anything like that. They got in there, and Jesus was with them. And a storm just suddenly came up and it had a raging wind and and raging waters and the boat was beginning to fill up with water. How many remember that story? You all remember that? Come on, stay with me here. I need your support. They, they They didn't want to lose their lives and the storm is raging and Jesus is asleep in the boat. Lord, forgive me, but really? I mean, come on. Okay, I'm back now. (laughs) And so finally, some clever person decided that they would go over and wake up the Lord of glory. The one who had a track record of handling storms and problems and demonic people and, and feeding thousands of people from a small basket. Some clever person finally decided, well, I guess we ought to wake Jesus up. Well, I guess so. <laughs> what was your first clue? And Jesus said to them, I always wondered about this. Uh, what's the matter with you guys? Where's your faith? Why would he say that? Because in before they left on this journey, this little excursion, Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. Guaranteed passage. If you obey the Lord, guaranteed passage. Really? I think that's why he he said that. I always wondered about that. Why would he say that? I'd be scared too. I'd be doing, you know. Anyway, let's go to the other side. When you see the storm clouds, I think we should know this. These aren't just idle words either. But in Psalms 104, verse 3 and 4, he says, He makes the clouds his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. He makes his angels and his ministers a flaming fire. Psalm 68 and 4 said, sing to God. You see, when we see the storm, we're looking at the bottom of the clouds but there's something up above the clouds that's going on when we're going through the storm. He says in Psalm 68 and 4, sing to God. You really want to do that? Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him that rides on the clouds by his name, and his name is the Lord. I'm glad to know he's there. Going through this storm. It doesn't look good. But I know he's there. I know he's there. Well, let's look a little further and see what happened. When In verse 21, after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice. (laughs) I can't blame him, can you? I mean, (laughs) and the centurion, I think he must have been standing in the back of the group at that point and looking the other way, you know, uh, and not, not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now listen to what he says. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. So he wasn't just being cute and Ugly or anything like that. He was encouraging them. Thank God for the people who encourage. We need them, don't we? Because, now listen to this. Not one of you will be lost. That had to be music to their ears. You know, when I came back from Korea to Japan... To Hawaii to San Francisco I think it was San Francisco two weeks on a troop ship most miserable two weeks I've experienced in a long time it was miserable because there was no air-conditioning it was hot it was crowded Uh, somehow some way they had a shortage of water so we went. I think we had one bath in two weeks. Oh, it was fun. Not and <laughs> not only that, but those sailors—they came down to our bay and were yelling at us. Oh, excuse me, I didn't, didn't mean to offend you, brother. <laughs> they had fun with us. <laughs> they were screaming at us and yelling and threatening us, and because they were sailors and we were army. We were on their territories. You know what I mean? It's a turf thing. So, But i tell you this. I ate better than I ever ate in my life in that mess hall. Or they don't call it mess hall. The, the what? Oh, they do? So anyway, where was I? I was preaching the gospel. Oh, the angel of the Lord. He says, I'm encouraging you. You're going to, everybody here is going to survive. Not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. And then he said something interesting. Last night, an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. Now, where is his Rome? This is passage, isn't it? No matter how bad the storm is, no matter how much the ship is tore up, the fact is, he's going to Rome with a mission from God. It wasn't just a voyage. And God, and this is important, has graciously, I like that word, given you the lives of all who sail with you. God didn't owe those people anything. They were idol worshipers. Most of them. So keep up your courage, men. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. So here we have angelic intervention. And we have safe passage. Keep up your courage. I want to say to everyone here this morning to keep up your courage because you never know where your Rome is. It may be next door. It may be, may be like Blake down at the hospital visiting a friend. It may be somebody on the job. It may be someone at the water fountain at work. That's your Rome, and you've got a word from God that you want to deliver to that person. I think so much of the times that God has graciously and wonderfully used me to testify to someone, and in many cases, I didn't even know I was in the middle of that encounter until at some point it occurred to me, hey, this is a divine appointment. Everybody else knew it but me. People that would just start talking You'd be surprised at the people that will just start sharing their heart with you when you open your heart to help them. The the title of my sermon here today is, Where is Your Rome? It's on the other side. It may be on the other side of the storm. And when it looks like you're not going to make it and God's already got a plan for your life and he says you're gonna go to Rome then that means you're gonna go to Rome if Jesus said let's go to the other side and the storm is saying you ain't gonna make it then who are you gonna go with I'm gonna go with the words of Jesus who said we're gonna go to the other side and then when they got to the other side then what happened they ran into a guy from the land of the Gadarenes who was named Legion because he was full of demons. So they've passed this storm. Now they're on to the next challenge. Amen? Amen? Jesus seems to do real well in storms, doesn't he? The elements of fire and water and wind do not frighten Jesus. Do you know that? When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the, the fiery furnace and the king looked in there and he saw four. I said, He said, I thought we only put three in there. There's four in there. That's because God was in there with them and he wasn't afraid of the fire. Because the Bible says our God is a consuming fire. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh they go through this. A few more things happen. The crew decides to take the lifeboat and escape. And saw Paul saw him do that. And then the soldiers decide they were going to kill the prisoners and the centurion and shut that down real quick. And finally, he ordered everyone, when they got close to the, sh- to the shore, to those that could swim, to swim for the shore, and those that couldn't, to grab a board and and try to make their way to the to the beach. And I can tell you right now, if I was there, I can't swim. If I jumped in the water, I immediately plummet to the depths of whatever that is. So I would just grab a little tube or whatever I could get my hands on, just so I could get to the shore. And I, I'll tell you something: when they arrived at the shore, that. When I read the word of God, that was the most unceremonious thing I ever saw in my life. The centurion and the captain and the pilot and all these. And my my hero, the centurion, they're dragging themselves up on the shore like a bunch of drowned rats. And Paul tried to build a fire and a snake, a serpent, came out and bit him. A poisonous serpent. See, to me, all snakes that crawl on the face of the earth are cobras, okay? Until proven different. I don't care if it's if it's Granbury, Texas. <laughs> okay. And what does he do? He just shakes it off and didn't fall down dead. That was the next storm. And then he's going to go on, and he's going to testify in Rome, and he's going to bring the gospel to that area of the earth. Would you say amen to the word of the Lord today? Let's sing a chorus. And I just want to challenge you this morning, everyone. Uh, are you going through a storm? Are you going through a storm in your life? And you just need some help from God, you need some encouragement. You need a visitation from the Lord. You need the hand of God to help you in an extraordinary way. We want to pray with you this morning and just ask the Lord to touch you in whatever area of your, your life that you're in. If this touches any heart today, can, can you raise a hand, just say, yes, I'm, I'm going through a situation and I, I need help from God. And our brother back here, just raise your hand and I want someone to go over to them, a couple people, and let's just pray with them share the love of Jesus and and help them get through this storm, okay? Just like we see here in the Word of God. So as we sing, I just want you to look around at those that have their hands up and need, need help.